Aloha coffee lovers and welcome to episode four of Tough Love and Coffee with Stacia Miller and C.T. McGee. Today we're podcasting from Sleeping Tiger Coffees here in Carlsbad Village in beautiful San Diego County. And right now I got my eyes on this Candy DM latte that I'm drinking. We're getting a little head start on our Thanksgiving holiday and so that Stacia didn't feel left out I brought her some candy corn and some candy pumpkins because I thought why shouldn't she be fat too right well, thank so you my hips yeah. to yours thank you for sharing that love I'm going hey. to have another candy corn as we speak I got a lot of love to go around not sure love. how many I've eaten right now but I'm possibly pretty sugared up so <laughs> <laughs> we need to get hopped up for this particular episode if you're with us for the last episode we talked about self-worth we found out that self-worth is just another word for self-esteem we talked about Dr. Suzanne Lachman's article, 10 Sources of Low Self-Esteem. Of those 10 sources, we started highlighting a few of them. We talked, we dipped our toes into trauma, particularly emotional abuse. We dipped our toes into conflict between authority figures, i.e. your parents. And we talked about having critical parents, uh, critical authority figures. And that's the basis of my low self-worth as a child. But this episode, we're going to focus a little more on trauma because today's episode is about domestic violence, domestic abuse. So today we're going to define what is domestic violence. We're going to share the signs of an unhealthy relationship. We're going to uncover the myths about domestic violence. We're going to hear Stacia's story as a domestic abuse, domestic violence survivor. And then we're going to empower you, of course, with some tips on how you can help a victim of domestic violence. And we're going to hear a train going by because anytime we sit in the little seaside villages, we are surrounded by the train. So welcome to California. Welcome to California. All right. So first off, before I define... Well, let's talk about the definition of domestic violence. If you Google it, it'll say that domestic violence means the violent or aggressive behavior within the home, typically involving the violent abuse of a spouse or partner. Now, in talking about the 10 sources of low self-esteem by Suzanne Lachman, she lists that trauma is one of those 10 sources. Trauma, physical, sexual, or emotional abuse may be the most striking and overt causes of low self-esteem, she says. Being forced into a physical and emotional position against your will can make it very hard to like the world, to trust yourself, to trust others, and that all profoundly can impact your self-esteem. That is exactly correct. Yes, I agree 100%. And there's times it may even feel like it's your fault when it couldn't be any less your fault, she says. Obviously, in these scenarios, there's so much going on at one time that you might need to check out dissociate go away it can make you feel like nothingness and in an effort to gain control of your circumstances in your head you may even be convinced yourself that you were complicit or even to blame you might have found ways to cope with the abuse to manage the chaos in ways that you understand are unhealthy so you may ultimately view yourself as repulsive and searingly shameful among a zillion other feelings. This is what she says about trauma. Wow, that Stacia, is, can you that relate? Is deep. I can, yes, on every one of those, unfortunately. Uh, I'm already, yes. I'm already sad. Okay, so let's, let's talk about some of the signs of an, an unhealthy relationship. This is not only for you listeners, but maybe for someone you know. So coffee is served, coffee. let's get yes. ready. Out of 
of these signs um, we discovered in onelove.org so feel free to look that up one spelled out o-n-e love l-o-v-e dot org there are a few signs we're gonna we've highlighted five of them that we want to share with you four of them actually we want to share with you the number one being manipulation in this article when a partner tries to influence your decisions your actions or your emotions manipulation is not always easy to spot but some examples are convincing you to do things you wouldn't normally feel comfortable with ignoring you until they get their way and using gifts and apologies to influence your decisions or get back in your good graces what does that sound like to you Stacia? Um, it sounds like the beginning of my life oh with my my ex-husband. Yeah, something that I will definitely be touching on okay. while we while we talk about this topic. Another sign of an unhealthy relationship is sabotage. Purposely ruining your reputation, your achievements, or your success. Examples can be making you miss work, your school or practice, keeping you from getting your schoolwork done, talking about you behind your back, or starting rumors and then threatening to share private information about you. Oh, yeah, that's a strong one right there. So you've yes, experienced I that. have exper definitely experienced sabotage. All right, here's yes. another third sign of an unhealthy relationship, guilting. Making you feel guilty or responsible for your partner's actions. Examples can be making you feel responsible for their happiness, making you feel everything is your fault, threatening to hurt themselves or others if you don't do as they stay or stay with them pressuring you to do anything sexual you're not comfortable with. I'm, I might have to say that could possibly be um, not so much as the physical part of it, of course. Mm -hmm. That's guilting isn't physical. It's very emotional. It's mm. very emotionally crippling mm. when you feel that everything that you do is wrong mm -hmm. or is your fault. Mm. It's very difficult to deal with. I can already see how this yeah. can already strip away, chip away at self-worth, self-esteem. Yes. Another sign is a volatility. Unpredictable overreactions that make you feel like you need to walk on eggshells around them all the time or to do things to keep them from lashing out. Examples can be their mood swings, losing control of themselves by getting violent or yelling, threatening to hurt you or destroy things, and making you feel afraid of them. This can also be lots of drama or ups and downs in a relationship. On a daily, when um, I'm going to touch on the drama or ups and downs in the relationship, um, there are days and month, sometimes months when things are so good, when you're happy and, and he's happy, and you, this is when you start thinking, okay, things are going to change now, things will get better, and so you stay, right? But then in a moment it can all just change and it can be another go on for months again with yeah. violent behavior yeah. and um, this is an, an, an it's like a very cycle. yeah it's a cycle of abuse absolutely yet predictable yet unpredictable basically unpredictable all the time all the time yes. yes it's just a matter of waiting for the other shoe to drop right kind of feeling. yeah that's ex yeah that's how you can describe it definitely okay. yeah all right so now let's talk about some of the myths about domestic violence if you look up liveyourdream.org you'll find 12 myths about domestic violence again that's liveyourdream.org here are a few of them number one it's only domestic violence if there's physical assault absolutely not true Wow. That is 100, 
100% false. So the myth mm -hmm. is that it's only domestic violence if there's physical assault, false. Domestic violence includes a range of controlling behaviors. I think that's the key word right there is control, Controlling, right? that's right, yes. Um, so th th these behaviors can be physical, emotional, psychological, sexual, or even financial. Yes. Examples of non-physical domestic violence include calling your partner names or putting them down, mm -hmm. controlling what they eat, what they wear, how they spend their money, where they go or who they talk to. You're, you're smiling in a way that it looks familiar um, to yeah. you, huh? Yeah, um, yep. You can smile now. Right? Well, I'm just thinking to myself, not really smiling like I'm happy. Let's, of let's course, listeners, right. of course, let's you verify that. But that is probably, oh, that, yeah, that's. That just hits it on the head for you, right? Yes. How about stalking your partner's social media and their texts or threatening to hurt themselves or others if the partner doesn't do what they want? So technically, any behavior intended to harm, arouse, arouse fear, or coerce a partner's actions can all be considered abuse. Yeah. Big one. Who knew, right? All right. Uh, myth number two. Victims are responsible for what happens to them. No, no, absolutely not. That is not true. That's false. Oh, bitch, please, right? Mm-hmm. Not only is this myth wrong, it's stupidly narrow-minded. Victims aren't, quote-unquote, asking for it. Did you ask for it, Stacia? Um, at the time, I thought I did. Yes. Wow. Yes, but you really didn't. But now I know. Of course, now I know. Not I wasn't asking for any list. of it. No. no. They don't deserve what happens because literally no one deserves to be degraded. Do you hear us, listeners? No one deserves to be degraded, humiliated, beaten, raped, or controlled. Again, that word control. Yes. Blaming the victim for what the abuser does to them is misplacing culpability, the article says. That's right. Abuse isn't about anger management or impulse control, but anger sometimes plays a role. Um, let's do myth number three. Domestic violence is a woman's issue. No, again. And this is just coming to light because, as we'll hear in a minute, okay, it is sort of a woman's issue, but we are now finding that what? It, it can happens happen to, to men. men. About one in nine men, to be exact, will experience intimate partner abuse. However, domestic violence is much more common for women. The odds are roughly one in three. Wow. Research indicates that most abusers are male, mm -hmm. and women are the abusers in only 5% of domestic violence. But here's my question. How many men are reporting it? No, not enough, I don't think. So I wonder if that is what can skew and these again, numbers too, right? Oh, I'm sure, because the men are, they're, Mm -hmm. They're macho, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to admit that some woman is not. hitting them or degrading them or controlling them. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't have to tell her what I'm doing. Or, they don't want know. to admit they're lost in the car. That's why right. they had to invent GPS. <laughs> I mean, of course they're not going to admit that. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, right? Absolutely. Well, us women don't want to admit we're being of course abused. So, of course, so right. think about how difficult it is for a man to come forward. Of course. And talk about and, it. And let's not forget that transgender and non-binary individuals as well. Absolutely. Also, um, experience shocking rates of violence. Shocking wow. rates, that's another episode right yeah. there. <laughs> but according to a 2015 survey, 54% have experienced intimate partner violence. Wow. Um, so listen, we should always believe that the victim is telling the truth. Who would want to make that up? I mean, I know it can happen. Well, there are some people who God. do when they want attention. Um, we can go into... Oh. <laughs> I could go on about my poor little Johnny Depp all day long, but okay. I won't. <laughs> but anyway, you know, but the, the it's very difficult for a woman to come forward. Of course. It really is. And ask for help, for, right? Yes. 
uh, bottom line, domestic violence affects all genders. So efforts to support survivors should be inclusive. But since 95% of the victims are women, it's also distinctly a women's issue. Okay, what is another myth? Um, oh, like you just mentioned, people can lie about being abused. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, but that's a myth. It says rarely. While they may be a small minority of people who pretend to have been abused uh, for personal gain, rarely is it's the case. Rarely. Yeah, very rare. I think people who tend to actually say it have been thinking about it for a very long time. Long time. Yeah, they didn't just like one day say, hey, oh, I think I'll tell somebody I was abused. I, that really, in my experience and in my world in, of um, domestic violence, that's not the case. Bottom line, reporting an abusive situation like you just said takes immense courage. Yes. Yes. It's probably it took every amount of courage you've had in your whole life cumulatively yes. in that one spot. Yes. All right. Uh, number four. Let's talk about uh, this myth. Leaving a domestic violence situation is easy. Was Absolutely. it easy? Absolutely. Well, no. It, it was the toughest decision. Staying was easy. Of course, that is easy. Leaving one. was the most difficult decision the I ever had to make. Path of least resistance. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so false, leaving a domestic violence situation is not easy. There are many reasons a victim might find it difficult to leave. They might be afraid of what their abuser will do to them or their loved ones. The most dangerous time in any abusive relationship is right after a victim leaves, since that's when the abuser feels a loss of control, like we talked about. That word is and everywhere. And it's most yep. likely to resort to violence. Yes. The victim might not leave because they're financially dependent on their abuser. I bet you that's I a absolutely huge was. one, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Often abusers take control of their victim's bank account and their income. So yes. they're not only getting physically hurt and man manipulated uh, men mentally and emotionally, but now... I handed, now my, yes, I handed my money over to him every week. Wow. Mm -hmm. They coerce the victim into quitting their job or dropping out of school. Mm -hmm. uh, without the means to support themselves, the victim might feel they have no other choice but to stay. That is like the saddest part, one of the saddest yeah. parts, right? Yes. Other reasons why it's difficult to leave. Fear of losing custody of their mm -hmm. children, huge. Yes. Children become pawns in the whole scenario, oh, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Fear of becoming homeless, yeah. lack of support from law enforcement. What if you have social or religious pressure to maintain your marriage? I bet you that's a big one. Uh -huh. Shame that they're somehow responsible. What if you had unsupportive friends or family? Which I um, did in the beginning. You know, how about just mm -hmm. sheer hoping that the, abuse, the abuser will get better? Like, oh, they'll change. Well, that, yeah, I touched on that just a few right? minutes ago, too, saying when he was good, he was so good. And you're like, you're, you have so much hope. Yeah. You just, you live for that hope that, they're, you, that this is the end, and, right? Or you, and here's another one, you rationalize their behaviors. Oh, constantly. Oh, they're just stressed. Mm -hmm. They're depressed. Oh, they're drinking too much. Mm -hmm. Or other situational facts. This is not really them, no. right? Right. All right, here's number five. Remember, there are more, but we're just touching about five myths. Once a survivor escapes her abuser, everything's rainbows and sunshine. Fucking false. I'm not even going to give any of you who are listening that might be in this situation any kind of false hope about this. The, diff the most difficult part comes after you, right leave, after you leave, and you need to be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. It will be the most difficult. For me, it was about three years. Three years worth, worth after of, leaving. Yes. Yeah, so still being abused. The abuse didn't get correct. Didn't stop. And you need to know that will happen. But 
So lots of victims end up going back to their abuser because of that, right? That's correct, yes. So even if she seems um, out, it might not be the end of the story. And even after a victim successfully leaves, the story doesn't end there. Like Stacia just said, she still needs help rebuilding her life and recovering from mm -hmm. the trauma. Yes. That's two things. Not only does she have to figure out, like, how am I going to live from here, but you also have to take care of yourself. How right. do I how do I heal myself and from that experience? And if you have children, you're completely focused more on them on making sure that they are no longer a part of it, that you tend to lose yourself for that. Yeah. For so that you're time. still not taking care of you no. yet? No, not yet. Um, it will typically take time for a victim to find stability. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. Both economically and psychologically, and it can vary from person to person. It could take months. It could take years, years. right? Mm -hmm. They'll need help finding, one, affordable housing, two, getting a job, three, maybe help with their kids, four, saving money to maybe finish a degree, um, that's where programs like this site can help. Live Your Dream Education and Training Awards um, can have a life-changing impact for survivors. Mm -hmm. So if you're curious, please look up liveyourdream.org. So those are a few myths about domestic violence. So much there, so much there. Yes. Now we're going to listen to Stacia's story and I just wanna say, you know, let's have some compassion for her. This is her first time sharing her story on air. Uh, she has written a blog. It's a beautifully written um, blog about her experience, all with the hopes of empowering others who might be where she was. So she's further down the journey. She's still in recovery. She's still working on self-worth. As we just mentioned, it can take years to recover from a traumatic experience like that. But we shed a lot of love and light on her now, and she's going to share her story. So I'm just going to uh, put a little warning out to some of you who are listening. Some of you might be my family, some of you might be my friends who have known me from the past, who maybe didn't know that any of this was happening. Um, maybe some of this is for listeners that don't really want to hear this. Um, it's tough to talk about, it's tough to hear, um, but if you feel that you might not want to hear my story because I will be talking about actual events that happened to me, um, I, I don't hold it against you if you want to not listen. Um, it's tough. But I do encourage you, if you know someone that is going through this, to maybe take the list, to continue to listen and maybe say, look, um, Susan or whomever, I. I know someone who can help you. Um, I've listened to this person talk about her, her ordeal, her experiences, and she's lived through it, and she's come out of it, and she's moving forward in her life, and I want that hope for you. So if Beautiful. you know someone, um, please, they can always write, you can also always write to us mm -hmm. at toughloveandcoffee at gmail.com. Send us your story. We would love, we don't want to love to hear that you're being abused by any means. I don't mean it that way, but if you need to reach out and have a conversation, CT and I are always here to help you. We are always here to lend an ear and give as you know, much advice as we can. We are not experts. Again, I stress that we are not experts. We just are talking about our experiences and what we have done to go past them. And without further ado, I will start um, in by saying I have been married three times in my life. I married young the first time, I was still young the second time, and the third time I thought, what the hell? I'm obviously not finding 
the right men. My first um, husband and I were too young to know what we were even doing being married. My second husband um, was not really abusive by any means, but he wanted some things out of life that I certainly was not willing to share. And so I didn't feel I was getting any attention in my first marriages. And so when my third husband-to-be came along, he was so attentive. Mm. He was so, I just want to spend all this time with you. Um, I really, you know, showered me with just everything I didn't get in my first two marriages. And I was enamored. Mm -hmm. Oh, this man just loves me so much. And he lit so up your watch. And I was, and I was on, him. yeah, I was cloud on cloud nine, nine yep. every day. Mm -hmm. If I had a friend who wanted to do something, Andrea, I'm going to call you out. If you're listening to this, you will also remember these days. Um, if I had a friend that wanted to do something with me, um, I would tell him and he would be like, oh, but I really wanted to do this with you. It was going to be a surprise, so I didn't mm. tell you. And I would break plans. Wow, that was a sign and right there. Yes, but I didn't know that was a sign. So this comes in the manipulation. Mm -hmm. The manipulation always starts immediately. It's a red flag. And I'm, that is what I want to stress. If someone only wants to spend all their time with you only mm -hmm. and does not allow you, so to speak, to have the time with your friends or your family, that is manipulation. So you already started creating a boundary, Correct. a wall. Yes. So that's not love. No, that's not love. That's mm. manipulation. Okay. And um, he was what I call the master manipulator. Wow. And he's not the only one. Um, abusers are master manipulators. They okay. make you believe that you are the shining star. It is how it starts. Okay. Um, so you got duped. I got duped, okay. yes. But so I fell head over heels in love. This was the man that was going to make me so happy. Mm -hmm. And um, abuse didn't start um, probably until a year into our relationship. Okay. Um, I was sunbathing with a friend um, and we, we got really sunburned. And when, um, for the sake of keeping names out of it, I'll just call him B. When B returned home, he became, it was like the first time I'd ever seen him mad. He was like so mad. Because you were sunbathing? Yeah. And you he weren't was, naked, were you? Uh, no. <laughs> We okay. lived on a busy street. Okay. There, well, not well. Okay. So no, wasn't I wasn't that. naked. No, I was just. He came home. I was sleeping. Um, my friend and I were completely looking like lobsters, uh -huh. and he was. I said, "Oh my God, I got so burned today," and I was, and he was so mad and told me that I deserved to be burned, sunburned, because I was vain, and only vain people lay in the sun. Oh wow. And okay. So I, I admitted at that time, you know, I didn't leave the house with, unless I had makeup on and my hair was all done. That was typical. How, you old, know, how old are you? I was 23. Oh my gosh, yeah. And so I thought, yeah, I'm vain. <laughs> I care about how care I about look, yourself. right? Yeah. So, but um, instead of just leaving at that, he literally came over to me and hit me over the head. With what? Like, with his hand. Like just slapped just me you? on the back of my head. <gasps> and I was in, I was shock. in shock. Yeah, I was oh like, gosh. where the hell did that come from? Right. Right? I'm just sitting here on the couch. And he just came up and And just me. walked by me and slapped me upside the head. And not only did he, I started crying because I was shocked, shocked and scared yeah. a little bit, right? But 
when I started crying, he was started berating me. Oh, you're, what are you being a big baby for? That didn't really hurt. I was just kidding. Um, grow up. Um, you know, oh things like that. And so he dragged me into the bedroom, dragged me off the couch, dragged me into the bedroom, and proceeded to like just scream at me. Okay. Um, I was so embarrassed because at the time my friend was still there. <gasps> Her boyfriend was there. Where were they? And they were sitting right there. In the living room. Uh-huh. But he took you out to the he bedroom. He took me to the bedroom. And I was so embarrassed. And I just stayed in the bedroom. And he walked out. And everybody ate dinner together. And I stayed. In, I never left the bedroom. Um, oh, my goodness. When they were done eating dinner, he came in. And he was crying. And he was apologizing. And he was on his knees. And he was just, like, hugging me around the waist. And he was like, I promise. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's okay. I promise. I will never do this do to you again. again. And I believed him. I had never of been course. abused before. I didn't know. It was a, in your mind maybe it was just a one-off. Yeah. It never happened. So you were um, I had a really bad day at work. My, you know, we were shorthanded, blah, blah, blah. This is where the excuses are coming in. Correct. Right? And it will never happen again. And I forgave him. Mm -hmm. I believed him. Mm -hmm. And he was your prince, he, your yeah. shining armor. Yes. Shining armor. And so I realized, looking back now, I realized that that would be the first of years and years of apologies. Um, it was not the only one. One of many. After every time he hit me, he apologized. Okay. And so it was a pattern, a pattern I allowed, and he knew I was okay. going to allow it. Okay. But looking back, um, I just, I realized now that it was just the first time I started losing pieces of myself. Yeah. And... With every now, episode. And with every episode. And now, you know, as I've grown, I've put the pieces back together, I realize that I always had the power to love myself, even when he told me I was worthless. Okay. Um, but again, that At didn't At the time, come. you believed him? At the time, I believed him. I believed everything he said to me. There was no reason not to. Right. He was so... What he said was so good, was so right. And I, so I feel like at that age, the people that we surround ourselves with, like, we start thinking like them. I lost all my friends. Why? Because they didn't want to be around? Or no. Or you just, he just kind of... He made sure that I didn't have any time friends. Or... Correct. Yeah. Did they that... say anything? Oh, yes. Like, yes. what? Um, my friend, Andrea, whom I spoke of just a few minutes ago, stopped calling me and asking me to do things um, because I, could, I always had to say no. Do you think any of them had any idea it was because of him? Yes. Did they say yes. anything to you about that or to him? Like, hey. Um, no, not to him. They wouldn't go near um, him. But... Yeah, she was my, and still to this day, is my very closest and dearest friend and has, from the beginning, known everything. Um, again, with on. one other friend, the friend that I was sunbathing with. Um, they were the two people who were involved in it almost on a daily. So they did know what was going on. Yes. But they didn't interfere. Um, a couple of times they did interfere as okay. time went on. Okay. Um, only to be hurt themselves. So it's the interference stopped. They physically got hurt by him? Um, one one friend did, yes. And this is how many years into the marriage at that this point? This would have been, um, let me think, probably five, six years into the, so, the relationship. So at this now. point, it is about four or five years of physical abuse. Correct. Correct. So not only physical abuse, not only is your self-esteem tanking, if not tanked, mm -hmm. all depleted, right. but now you're losing your friends, the people in your circle. Right. What about your family? Right. Uh, my family didn't know. So you at this time, my family had no idea. So you're going on four or five years alone right. in this, right. in your own private war. That is correct. Okay. 
So then um, when I, when my family started to find out, um, I had told my mother. Um, um, what prompted you to tell her? What? Yeah. Well, I decided that I needed to really have. I needed her. Okay. I needed mom. my mom. You need your mom. And so I told her, and the words out of my mother's mouth. And my mother is deceased, so I'm not. And she can't defend herself. But what she said to me was, "You just don't know how to be married." Mm. And she said, "Your stepfather and I have had problems." our entire marriage, but I didn't just give up just because we had problems. So um, I went, I remember going home from her house that day thinking, well, you know, maybe I need to try harder then. Maybe I really do, maybe it's my fault. Maybe Blaine's, or I'm sorry, I just named him. I'm so sorry, maybe B is right. Uh, maybe I do need to get my shit together. Well, right? that generation, yeah, they, they got married at a very young age and whether you're religious or not, most of them stayed in marriage because that's true. That's what you did. Mm -hmm. And so, do you think there was a part of her that was in denial that yes. you were actually getting hurt she, and just yes. thought there were just problems? Mm -hmm. Do you think she might have thought you exaggerated or yes. lied? Yes. I, not probably not lying, but maybe exaggerating. So, so then that must have hurt on another level now Correct. that you went to someone who should have been there for you mm -hmm. more in a supportive role, right. and yet you might have felt. Dis disappointed and kind right. of betrayed and and completely absolutely neglected and so that must have hurt in another way yeah because that had to have taken a lot of courage to go to your mom right? it took a lot of courage to go to my mom and um, my next thought was to go to my father but I thought I can't tell my father that someone's beating me okay you why know, um, you know you, you always think your daddy's, daddy's little girl, girl right um, would, so you you sacrificed your own emotions your own whatever for other people correct and that is the process of like the part about having low self-worth, other people matter more. Right. What they well, think he mattered they more. Of course. He made it clear that he was, you know, that he was the one that mattered in everything. Everything. Yeah. So I think the turning point in all of this happened in 2000. My father um, had re just returned from a trip, he traveled around the United States. He took his own little, what my brother and I call the uh, North American Route 66 tour. <laughs> he was gone for about a year or so, maybe not quite that long, but for quite a while. And he settled in Virginia and he was very excited about it. And he wanted my brother and I to go and visit him. Okay. And I told B, um, I'm gonna go visit my father um, with my brother. And he was adamant that not happen. That what, you don't go visit your mm -hmm. dad? After not seeing him in almost a year? Correct. After well, not did seeing he have a re What was his reason? Did well, he give a reason? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. So, um, I said, you know, you don't have to worry about watching the children. My mother was retired at the time as well. Um, she will watch the kids. You don't have to miss any work. She's just, everything is under control. I'm hoping only be gone for a few days. So it wasn't about responsibility while you were gone. Who's gonna man the well? The fort. It wasn't that he thought he might need to take responsibility. It was that he thought I was abandoning my responsibilities by seeing your dad by visiting my father. This is where manipulation comes in. Wow. Okay, control. Yeah. That key word, control. Right. You're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, I, I was like, I, I just want to go. I mean, why are you stopping me? And I was upset, and I was crying, and I called my father, and I was like, I can't come. You know, B says I can't go. I'm really you sorry. You said that, mm -hmm. that my husband says I can't go. Yes. 
And my father was like, well, let me talk to him. And so I gave the phone to my husband and he proceeded to tell my father that I am not to go and visit him. I am a wife and a mother and that is my life, wow. right? And but that, you're not a daughter. That's right, I'm not a daughter. And that he actually forbids me to go. He told my father he wow. forbids me to go. Wow. And he said, Stacy chose to be a wife and a mother and her responsibilities are to her family and she is to stay home where she belongs. Oh and gosh. he even, ready for this, what? abused my father. What did he do to your father? He even went so far as to tell my father that he was the irresponsible and selfish person for even suggesting that I leave my family so and that he would never, which had nothing to do with me visiting my father, he would that be, my husband would never leave his family like my father left us. My father and my mother divorced when I was very young. So he used that mm -hmm. as a reason why you shouldn't visit your biological yes. father. Yes. So let me tell you, I listeners, mean, that no emotional abuse is abuse. Mm -hmm. And it took the toll. It took a toll on me mentally every day to be stable for my I, children. Yeah. And to this day, it still affects me. So, so if you didn't see your, your dad, did they, they did not see their grandpa? Oh, I went. My kids were not going to go with me to this trip. So you did want to I ended up going. Oh, okay. I left. And he so told me, happened? if you leave, I will divorce you. And okay. so in my mind, I was like, this is the easiest divorce I'll ever have. He's going to divorce me. Oh, so you think that's the ticket out? Yeah. Okay. This is going to be you the best. You fine with it. This you is the best happy. thing ever. Okay. Right? And, yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so going to leave me. will end. Yeah. And so my stepmother and I were talking briefly on the phone before I drove down there and I wanted to get my navel pierced and a tattoo and he said, oh, that really, that, that's the end of it. If you come home with a tattoo or a belly button or a belly ring, ring. Right. we are definitely being divorced. And I joked with my parents at the time, I'm like, I can't wait to it. be divorced when I get home, right? You said that. Yeah, to my parents. And so we joked about it. Did this they want is, you to get divorced? From well, me? this my father didn't, but because now he didn't know. What he was didn't going know. On. So during okay. that trip, I told him everything. Okay. How did he respond to that? Um, I think he was very sad. Yeah. You know, I can't speak for him. Right. But I think he was very sad. Of course. Um, and maybe a little, you know, of course, not knowing how difficult it is to leave a, an abusive mm -hmm. relationship, wondering why I wasn't leaving. Right. Okay. So I returned back to my home after a visit with, after your dad, visiting with my home. father and okay. I walked in the door and my children are there and they're like mommy is home and before I even shut the front door I was dragged into my bedroom okay and my kids he locked the door my kids were like now crying outside my How bedroom door very time? young um, like under eight oh, yes okay yeah that's very young about that and, and um, yeah very young and they're crying for me because they know what's happening. Okay. They know what's happening. They know what's happening. And he uh, sat down on top of me and he just smiled at me. Just threw me on the floor, sat on top of me, just smiling at me. And I always like to say it's not a loving smile. It's not it a was good a smile. sneer. Okay. Um, and I, I describe it as a sneer that you might see on a villain in a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Um, he was on my chest. Um, so he pinned you down? He pinned me down and, um, you know, I begged him to let me up. The kids were scared. I begged him to stop. Um, and he didn't let me up. Instead, he just tore the belly button ring out of my navel. He tore the navel. belly button ring out of your navel. 
Yeah. Yep. Just ripped oh it right God, out. I, I screamed. So um, and then of course, when I screamed, my children were more scared, you know, um, listen, I lived through this every day, mm -hmm. every day. This I didn't know episode. what would happen in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't know when I heard the garage door open every day when he would come home from work, what was gonna happen next? I had no idea what kind of mood he would be in. You're would he on be happy? Would he be angry? Would what I make for dinner please him? Would it not please him? What did I do um, wrong today? If I had the right clothes on, would yep. that be, if I didn't, um, if I, you know, was my hair combed, was it wasn't, was the house clean? You didn't what know what wasn't? was gonna set him off. Right, I never ever knew um, what would happen. Mm. Um, I lost, I had two miscarriages. Mm. I was in the hospital once. Um, what did you say about that? Uh, nothing. Nothing. No compassion? No. no, no compassion. There was never compassion. There was, I'm sorry, mm. it won't happen again. But no meaning behind it. But after a while, you just stop. You start becoming numb. Numb, yes. numb to it. Numb is the right word. You don't listen to it anymore. You just... It's a broken record. I escaped. Okay, I did escape. I escaped once um, after the incident with... Um, in 2000, after the incident, I escaped for two and a half years. And he, instead of doing any harm, directly to me he started using my children mm. and so after a couple of years of my kids um, being manipulated. now manipulated and um, emotionally abused I decided to go back to him okay. better to live with the devil that you know <gasps> right That's there I felt I could protect my children because I was there too when okay. they were with him I had no, no idea, idea I could then. not protect them when they were with right, him right. I needed to protect them okay um, I finally broke free in 2007 and when I say I broke free I just mean I left the him I left the home mm -hmm. I took my children and I left but I did not break free him from him he still manipulated my daily life well, For, where did you go I moved I called my father okay um, I had we had now lived we now moved we lived in upstate New York when all this happened and when I left him, how we lived years, in Virginia. How many years into the marriage were you actually left him to go to Virginia? Um, we had been married 12 years. 12 years at that time. We've been married. If you started one year in, so we're talking 11, 11 years of abuse, uh -huh. something almost every day. We're about 15 years of abuse now. Okay. Okay. Because um, you mean post? Without, we were, without being married, when we were dating, I was being abused, okay? okay? And I still married him. Oh. Yes. Okay. Again, control, uh -huh. manipulation. Okay. So, I'm, we, so uh, married life of abuse about 12 years. Got it. I'm 15 years of abuse. Total. Total at this point in time in 2007. Wow. Um, I, I just called my father one day and I said, I can't anymore. I cannot live with this man anymore. Okay. He, my father had a couple of times had to come and get me from okay. my home okay. after um, B had beaten me. Okay. Um, he lived about an hour and a half away from us and drove all that way to come and get me. Mm -hmm. um, far. But I would always go back. Oh. I would always go back and finally one day, I said, I can't anymore. Daddy, you need to come and get me. Okay. And he came and got me. Okay. Okay. 
Did and he? that was the end of it. He got me an apartment. Okay. And that was the day I broke free. But for two, almost three years after leaving, after leaving him, he tormented me on a daily basis. Like? Just calling me all the time. Um, following me to my job, standing outside of my so place of employment. So he would come down to Virginia? Yeah. No, no, he li we all lived in Virginia. So he moved too? He, well, yes, we moved together at this. We, I had not left him until we had already been in Virginia for about a year. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. So he was um, okay. So um, he would stand outside of my job and yell through the window. Um, I had him arrested several times. It didn't matter. So now um, people at work know. Now people at work know. Oh. Correct. Um, it went on for years. It wow. went on for years did, could until you, I started you, dating someone else. Did you could, like? Were there any police involvement? Yes, I had him arrested, arrested a couple of times. Mean, like, yeah. Did you have and restraining yes, orders or whatever? Yes, but he broke he broke his, uh, them all he the time. Care. He went wow, to jail. He, really he didn't did. care. No. Wow. No, it was my fault work. he went to jail. He broke the restraining order, but it was my fault he went to jail because I called the police every time he you know breached the restraining order. How did you feel like, like, did you feel like, I can't get away from this guy? Correct. Like, what did it take? It so took me um, dating guy? someone else and, then and um, moving back to New York State to finally break free from him completely. I yeah. Mean, how did he just stop? Or how did, like... He had no choice. He could not manipulate me anymore when I was with another there. man. Correct. Interesting. Yes. Wow, okay. He had no control over me anymore. I was in another relationship. I had a new life. My mother was then at that time sick with cancer. I was concentrating on taking care of her. Um, she had a lot going on. I had too much going on and I, le I left, him, left him, left him. Like right, I was right. nowhere near him anymore. He couldn't yeah. follow okay, me. He, he couldn't, couldn't come to my anymore. home anymore. He couldn't come to my job anymore. Um, there was no direct access to me anymore. And that was 2010. 2010. Only when nine I broke, years ago. When I broke That's free. Not very no. long ago. When I broke survivor. free. I am completely. I, um, I have. I'm also going to say this, and this might be hard for some of you to understand because this is just the surface of my story. Whereas we don't have, you know, uh, just all this time. Right so um, I have forgiven B. Okay. But not for him. For who? For myself. For yourself. Because you can't move forward from trauma like this mm -hmm. until you have forgiven yourself and loved yourself mm -hmm. and know that you are not to blame. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's just happened in the past few years. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. where we're both like yeah. on that same level. It's like at some point you have to come to grips with, yeah. you know, if no one else is going to love you, at least love yourself. You have and that to. is the key yes. to, to happiness, to health, to success, yes. to moving on, to healing is you have to make that choice yes. to love yourself. And if it means forgiving to kind of help you start letting go and not having such a grip on the past, right. otherwise it keeps you stuck. Listen, I had a babysitter forward. who told me she couldn't watch my kids anymore because of him. I mean, when you have a Did babysitter- Did she witness anything? She witnessed not anything physical, of course, okay. never anything physical, but she was afraid of him. She knew what he was capable of. And so she, she said to me, I, I just, on. I'm sorry, you know? Well, that says a lot. Yeah. So she couldn't be around that. She couldn't be then. around that. No. Wow. And my mother eventually understood um, that I was not just kidding, right. <laughs> you know? So your mom came to grips with... My mom came to terms with it. Yeah, she okay. understood that I was being abused, that okay. it was, um, that I was reaching out for help, and that um, it finally actually just took 
my husband speaking to my father the way that he did, um, I didn't have to tell my father anything. Okay. It, B told him everything he needed to know. Okay. And then I filled in the, the, gaps, the gaps, correct. So, then, so they, then they really believed you. Oh, yes. And so then your, what did your mom say after that? When um, she, she just supported me. She didn't okay. say anything. Okay. If I needed she her, was there for you. she listened. Correct. So that must have felt so much better. Right. She that. knew that I wasn't exaggerating. Right. Um, the kids would even tell tell my mother things about what my they husband would, would say. They did. Oh, they did. Okay. Yes. Okay. When I we would, um, I'm just going to uh, end it here with a. My children were also traumatized For from sure. this experience, and if we went to visit my mom. Um, uh, all the way home, he would say things to my kids. Well, you know, your mother and your grandmother were just in the other room talking. No, nobody else was allowed in there, and they were just talking things. I'm sure they were just talking shit. And your mom's just little Carolyn, and all, they would say horrible. Wow. He would say horrible things about my mother. He would say horrible things about me, and he would say it all the ride home to right. my children. So that was one of the sources of low self-esteem right. that Dr. Lachlan talks about is when authority figures are in conflict and so between you and he he's trying to paint one picture you're trying to paint another picture that's you know very abusive that's very manipulative that's very confusing for kids yes. but they know something's not right right and that can cause a lot of anxiety in right. those children it was it's very scary for my children um, I'm sh my kids have anxiety, they have depression, they have issues that they need to work through as well, you know, and it stems from their, from he and I. They, they picked, they absorbed all that yes. traumatic energy, whether yes. they understood what was going on or not, for sure, they felt it. And well, my older one certainly did. Uh, my okay, older the one oldest certainly one. did. I was the oldest too. Yes. Um, well, that was very brave of you to share your story, and, and, and again, that is just a glimpse of what you a went glimpse, through yes. over the last I mean, I can't, few years. I can't, certainly can't talk about 15 years or right. 18 years of abuse right. um, in one podcast. Um, at other points in time when we talk about certain things, these topics now that we have talked, CT has talked about hers and that I've talked about mine, we can touch on them as we go along yes. and, some, and some more things will obviously come out as and, we And that's move the purpose forward. of this podcast is we're slowly peeling back layers of our lives to expose... Um, our experience in ways that we hope will empower you to do something about your life and to lead you to a better place. And so with every episode, we're gonna keep continuing to share in hopes of that you can relate to something, learn something, and live your best life with whatever tips or enlightenment that and wisdom that we share with you. So now we'll talk have, about some tips. I have a, just a couple little things that I wanted to say. Okay. A, couple, a couple tips that I wanna share and then CT will share a couple as well. But I want to uh, to let you know if you are in again if you're in this kind of relationship a domestic uh, violence relationship or you know someone um, but this is mostly for the people who are in one right now control is not love control is not love on the surface it may seem like it he or she um, may seem like Make, they might twist that control into ways of making you think that they love, you know, it's all about love. But here are some examples of what my husband would say to me. Don't wear makeup. You're beautiful without it. Mm. I loved to do my makeup mm -hmm. back then. It was like my thing. Mm -hmm. I love to experiment with things. Um, but he, he actually threw my makeup out one day, just threw it away. Wow. He, he would say to me, you only wear makeup if you're trying to look good for someone else. Oh. See how that one works, wow. right? 
you don't need to look good for someone else because you always look good. Mm. Right? So he's giving you kind he's of giving a you backhanded a compliment, 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 but he's also making it about someone else. Um, he would say this about my friends. You don't need her for a friend. You're too good for her. <gasps> Until finally, I had no friends. Wow. None. The best thing, it's not the best thing, but the top thing he used yeah. to do me is tie me to go to the grocery store. Tie what you? Took, yeah. What took you so long to go to the store? We don't live that far away from it. So what did you think you were doing? Nope. Um, I'm not sure what he thought I was doing. What you weren't doing. But I obviously, doing. but I, w I always took my kids, so I'm not really sure what he thought I was doing at the grocery store. But you he literally would time me from the time it took me to, from the time I started the car and pulled out of the driveway until the time I pulled back in. I, I was afraid if I was gone for longer than an hour. Afraid. Wow. If I had anxiety so bad. Oh my yep. gosh. Another thing I want to stress is if you can't be yourself in a relationship, that is not okay. It's not okay for someone to bring you down. It's not okay for someone to tell you that you can't wear makeup. It's not okay for someone to tell you you can't dress a certain way. You can't talk a certain way. Who you are is who you will always be. So that's a huge sign. Yeah. Because if you can't even be yourself. Yep. Yep. Can't, if you can't have a conversation with someone without looking over your shoulder to make sure you're not saying the wrong thing. Um, so you start getting paranoid. Paranoid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the time. Um, what do you got? Stacia shares her story in her blog. If you want to look it up and read it, it's beautifully written. It's called What My Abusive Marriage Taught Me About Love. And you can find it on the Anastasia Project is mm -hmm. the name of her yep. blog. The, the Anastasia, Anastasia Project. Project. Um, uh, it's called the Anastasia Project um, Site 123. Okay. So now we're going to go into some tips, 12 things everyone can do to help victims of domestic violence. So whether you are in a domestic violence situation or possibly know someone or maybe think, have a hint, go with your gut. If you think something's off, something's oh, probably then off. Then something's off. Something's off. Yeah. And this is provided by the theodysseyonline.com. This article is written by Ann Lyles Cox. So here are some signs. Uh, we're just going to go over a few of them. Uh, one, know the warning signs, okay? Um, two, don't pressure uh, the woman to leave. No. There are so many reasons why a victim of domestic violence might stay in the relationship. Control, Control. manipulation, Fear children. for themselves or their, yeah, or their children, mm -hmm. lack of resources, and maybe they still love their abuser, okay? Yes. Never ever, please never ever just say, well, just leave. It isn't like that. It doesn't work that way. And unless you are in that relationship, you don't understand the dynamics and the reasons why he or she stays. And believe it or not, if a victim of domestic violence has finally summoned up the courage to open up, pressuring them to leave might actually frighten them back even further right. into secrecy. Right. So two steps forward, five steps yes. back. Um, not only that, but you are becoming yet another person trying to control them, right. and that can freak them out. It certainly does. So refrain from judging. Um, it's one of the most important things you can do for someone in an abusive relationship. Another tip um, would be to understand that there's not one magic magical formula for domestic violence. You know, not it's not always going to work the same for everybody. No. Everyone's a unique right. and different situation, right. and you have to honor that. Um, another tip would be to look into domestic violence protection orders. Restraining okay. orders, um, yes. And while I said in my, while I was talking that he, uh, my husband did not always honor those restraining orders, if they don't, you call the police immediately. Mm -hmm. They will be arrested for mm -hmm. breaching a restraining order. 
Um, it is up to you to make sure that you take that control back. So look into right. what your state has to offer about domestic violence protection orders and a little bit about the process of getting one so that you can let them know that this resource is right. available. Right. Understand, here's another tip, understand that when a victim first leaves, it can be the, actually the most dangerous time. Yes. Yeah. Once a survivor leaves, you would think that they're out of the woods, but the time immediately following their fleeing can actually be when they're at most risk. Right. Remember, you, Stacia just yes. said it didn't stop. No. He still came and stalked her and everything. Um, most importantly, make sure that they have a safe place to stay. I know you went to your dad's, thank God, yes. right? Right. Make sure you know they know about resources pertaining to supporting themselves or their children, since financial codependence is a common reason why most victims stay. Remember, it's their most vulnerable time. They're kind of exposed. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, Sometimes these women haven't w ever gone to work. They might be, you know, fear. I was a housewife. Yep. I, I ran a, a business out of my own home, okay. um, a daycare business, and that, again, was control. Yep. Um, wow. About three, four years into the marriage, I worked for a fast food chain. Um, I was a supervisor, and he said, uh, I think you should just quit work and stay home. And at that time, I was like, yeah, okay. okay. But that's not why he wanted me. It was not about you, no, it was about him. Correct. And then I was home. He knew, I, you know, at work I could be talking to people. Right. And what would she right? be saying? I but at home, it. I'm only talking to a whole bunch of little right, children. Little right. I'm certainly not going to, you know, do anything wrong when I'm just sitting home with a bunch of children. Well, here's the biggest tip. Um, know this phone number. Write it down. This is the National Domestic Violence Hotline number. It's one 800 799-SAFE, S-A-F-E, or 1-800-799-7233. Again, 1-800-799-SAFE. This hotline provides free counseling for anyone, all hours of the day, every day of the stinking year. Dem domestic abuse doesn't take a holiday. That's right. It doesn't take a holiday. That's right. It doesn't realize it's Christmas. Yep. <laughs> you can write it on a card and slip it into your wallet in case you meet someone who needs it. You know, I'm in coffee shops all the time. I hear people talking mm -hmm. about their problems all the time. Hairstylists hear people talking about their, oh, sure. their problems all the time. Yeah. Or they might see a sign. They might notice a scar or a bruise mm -hmm. or a you know, a red mark yep. on their neck. Like there's all kinds of people. Everyone, keep your eyes open yes. for a domestic abuse survivor. You could be a big helping hand. Just slipping that card across the table. So get involved. They may not accept it, get but involved. don't be offended if no one accepts your help. Um, give that person time. I think a big one is, you know, have compassion for these people. Yes. Just even though you don't understand, because it's a big one to wrap your head around. Like, how can they stay? How can this be happening? Right. How does she keep letting it happen? Remember, their mind has become, and I, I say this compassionately, it's become mush. It's yes. been broken down and beaten. That's their mind right. has been broken down and beaten. It's manipulated where they don't remember who they are anymore. No. So they've lost their way. They've lost their way. Yes, I lost every bit of who I was within two years. And especially if they're a mom with children, their children are their number one concern. They right. think even less about themselves. Right. I would like to add an inspirational quote I found online. And this is for you, Stacia. From every wound, there is a scar. And every scar tells a story. A story that says, I have survived. Turn your wounds into wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what this 
courageous woman has done today. She is turning her wounds into wisdom. She is still healing. I have so much love and compassion for her and for her courage to share her story so that she can help someone else who might be stuck, still in that manipulation phase, still in fear. Um, but we want to show that you can turn the corner. There is hope for you to live your there best life. Yes. You deserve to be loved the way you want to be loved. That's right. And I love you, Stacia. I love you too, CT. Thank you. So with this, um, we will just thank you all for listening. Um, I'm sorry for the little moments of maybe having a tear. Um, it's a very difficult topic. It's difficult to listen to. It's difficult to know some, you know, that one of your loved ones or your friends might be going through it. But again, as Sichi said, be compassionate. And even if you don't, hopefully you look at women or other people through different eyes. You right. don't know what battles they're going through That's now right. or what they've been through. So if someone acts in a way or talks in a way that maybe you don't particularly like, maybe you don't know what her story is, what mm -hmm. she just went through, what mountain she climbed, what river she had to overcome, you know, like you exactly. just don't know. You don't know someone's, you don't know what happens with someone behind closed doors. And you can't judge a you know, book by its cover. If you look at Stacia right now, you would never know what she went through. Right. You would never know. And I just have so much more um, well, love, the same with you. I mean, Thank you're so bold and brave and um, full of life and charisma. And to know that at some at one point in time in your life you were battered down, you mm -hmm. know, and had and had to struggle to come to to become the absolutely wonderful woman that you are. And I'm honored to be doing this Thank podcast you. with Thank you. Thank you. We want everyone to know that we wanted to turn our tragedies or traumas into triumph. We, we want to know that what we went through was not for nothing. That's right. It was not for nothing, that it, there has to be some purpose. You know, we wanted to repurpose our past into a more positive present and a more positive future, not only for ourselves, but for others. Because let me tell you, the things that we're saying today, yeah. we wish other people told us. Exactly. We That's wish very we true. heard. Yes. So the things I say, people think I'm the most positive person, it's because I'm saying stuff that I wish someone had told me. Yes. So I know right. what I would want to hear. Right, exactly. So, you know, Stacia says, you know, we're not experts. I'm going to beg to differ. <laughs> With we, experts in we our, are our experts. lives. Right? We're experts because we have experience. So we can speak from experience. And having experience and sharing that experience, that makes us experts in, in one way. Maybe not from a clinical or well, licensed we don't have a degree, way. But we, we have, don't have our a degree, lives, right? But we have our lives. We have things that you can't take away from us. Exactly. And we're going to share that. And that makes us experts. And we hope you lives. continue to listen to us. And you guys have a fabulous day. So we bid you aloha. Aloha.